What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Today, we are live on set in Las Vegas with an amazing, amazing guest, a man who I've been wanting to talk to for a while. And this is the one and only Brad Lee. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No doubt, Brad. I know who you are, but for people who are listening who may not be familiar with you and your work, please introduce yourself to the audience. Well, audience, my name is Brad Lee. I am a entrepreneur, I would say. You know, that's the best way to describe me. I have several businesses that I've started uh, from scratch. The The main one is Lightspeed VT, which is a web-based training company. That's where, where we are now. And then uh, because of that, it, I kind of started to create a social media presence. And now people call me an influencer on social media, but I'm not one. I'm just on social media dropping what I call nuggets to hopefully help people not make the same mistakes I did. I hear that, man. There's so much stuff I want to get into today. But how do you feel about that term influencer? It's uh, one of those terms that some people embrace. Some people feel a little weird about. What are your thoughts on being called an influencer? Um, I'm st- the jury's still out. Yeah. Well, only because, you know, I believe you're influential regardless of who you are the question is is you know who are you influencing because we're all influential you know i've had a lot of influences on me that nobody knows on social media so they're not big or known but they're very influential Mm. so i like the word influential i like to be able to influence people it allows you to thrive in life when you have the ability to sell clothes persuade and influence so i like it in that regard but when i hear the word influencer especially in regards to social media, I think of a content creator that's, that's doing it 100% for content and every, mm-hmm. every, uh, thing that they post is, is that's their living. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't make my living from posting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the distinction. I think when people hear influencer, they think of, they think of it being fake. They think of it being fabricated. They think of someone who's just posting videos or doing and saying things to earn money, whether that's from ads or sponsored posts or that kind of thing. Oddly enough, if you kind of change the words around and you say influential person or you say that person's influential, then it doesn't sort of have the stigma. So I guess it's uh, got multiple meanings to different people. I know I first came across you. I think it was on Instagram, actually. I think I've been following you on Instagram for quite a while, but I think 
I was just seeing some of the short reels and clips that you were posting out there. Just real talk on a range of different topics, whether it's business, money, relationships, all sorts of things. I was like, man, I like this guy because he's he's real. He's real. And we live in a strange time where there's such a hunger for that. And I think that's beautiful in a way. I think actually there's a massive opportunity for people who are willing to be real and honest and authentic right now because there's been such a dearth of it for such a long period of time. So I think simply by being someone who's willing to stick your head up and speak the truth and be yourself and be honest, it's massively inspiring to a lot of people. Um, so I want to get into your background a little bit more. So tell me, uh, let, let's rewind, let's hit the rewind button. I know you've lived a very interesting life. So tell me a little bit more about your childhood and growing up. Well, not really. I was, you know, raised in a blue collar family in the Pacific Northwest, you know, normal childhood, nothing mm -hmm. crazy, nothing interesting. You know, I've had a lot, I had a lot of experiences throughout my life because at 16, my dad kicked me out of the house. Okay. <clears throat> and so I was out on my own. And, you know, when you're young and out on your own, you're getting into some, you know, situations. So I learned early how to, you know, conduct myself and, you know, become resourceful and things like that. So I always say that I lived probably 10 lives of most people, but only because at such a young age, I was out in the streets, basically, you know, running and gunning. Mm -hmm. So, but it was just a normal life, you know. Is that, I'm intrigued because I feel like what you've just said doesn't sound like a normal or typical life, but you describe it as a normal one. Well, again, I think it is but more normal than people think, you know. I wish I was one of those guys that could tell you, you know, Zuby, listen, man, you know, I had to walk uphill both ways in the snow. It was you know, my mom used to give us like one cracker each for dinner, you know, but it wasn't like that. It was, you know, we played outside cops and robbers, sticks and pine cones, you know, running around the, the, the woods, you know, regular. And then at nighttime, you had to come home, you know, cause mm -hmm. it was dark out and we didn't lock our doors. And, you know, every day you went, got up and went to school and did the same shit every day. But then, you know, obviously there was stories within those days that I could tell that, mm -hmm. you know, like when I was six years old, I used to tell everybody, you know, my dad owned Disneyland because we, <laughs> because all the houses around us were nice and ours was shitty. And I felt like everyone looked at us like, Ooh, you're the scumbag of the neighborhood. Or maybe, maybe that's just what I thought of ourselves. Who knew? But so I started basically telling stories and lying through my teeth about everything. And that kind of got me alienated right from the other kids mm. so you know three or four or five years later we moved to another town 30 miles north and that's when i said dude i'm just going to keep it real that way that way nobody you know treats me like that again because when you lie believe it or not eventually people find out mm. you know i just found out that, that early i found out that early so when i went north i'm just like look i'm gonna tell the truth be myself and you know since then i would say I was real. Yeah. What was your relationship like with your, with your family, your parents and your siblings? Um, you know, normal family. Yeah. It, it, I've seen closer families, you know, what I call beaver cleaver families mm -hmm. where their families like constantly together and they, and, and they tell each other, they love them. And like even brothers and sisters tell them that, yeah. which, which again, we didn't. And you know, I think, I think that's normal. <laughs> I, I, all my friends, they didn't. But, um, 
you know, you sir, you saw some families do that. Mm-hmm. The perfect family or the beaver cleaver family. But we didn't have that. We just had a family that was like, you know, my dad believed children should be seen and not heard. So yeah. you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get to talk a lot or, mm-hmm. or, you know, be involved with them. Those were the adults. You were the kids. And if the adults are there, you know, go play. Uh, yeah. that, isn't that normal though? Not to me. This is why I'm finding, which, which is why I find it intriguing. Did you have a beaver cleaver family? Uh, very much so. Still do. See, you, yeah. you even though we're, even ones. though we were scat, we're scattered all over the, the world. And, um, I mean, I, I grew up in the middle East. I grew up in Saudi, in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Well, and, tra- traditions are over, over there different. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, primarily in an expat community, but certainly the, where I lived both that specific area. And I'd, I'd even say the, the country as a whole that, the the norm was more like what you'd call the the beaver cleaver family. Um, yeah, you were one of the lucky ones. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, f- I fully fully acknowledge it, and um, I, I'm really curious to find out about you know people's childhoods and past because it's we all have a different concept of what's normal, right? We all have our own default. We've only lived our own life. Yeah. We've only ever had our own family, our own parents, our own brothers and sisters. So when I talk to different people, it's very interesting to just sort of see how that shapes them and their perspective and the way that they, the way they go on and view the world, especially with yourself. Cause I know you're, you're, I know you're a father. Um, so, you know, I want to get into fatherhood, family, marriage, masculinity, whole, whole bunch of stuff on this podcast, but I think it's interesting to get a better understanding of the history. Well, I'm an open book. Any questions okay. I'll, I'll answer. Okay. Why did you get kicked out at 16? I was supposed to mow the lawn and I came home with my friend and, you know, my dad drank quite a, quite a bit, mm. not like a, you know, dysfunctional drunk, but you know, and he wasn't even a drunk, like he wasn't a town drunk. He would work and then go to the bar and then come home. So, you know, when he go to the bar, he'd get a little buzzed and then he'd come home. Mm-hmm. So I came home to do something. I had my buddy with me and he came in and he was a little bit drunk and he, we, he was either mean, like pissed off drunk, or he was happy. Yeah. You never knew. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him, I could kind of feel like this guy, you know, he's, he's in the mean drunk kind of mood. And he looked at me and he said, how come you didn't mow the lawn? Cause I hadn't. And I said, I forgot. And it was probably, you know, the wrong timing, but he said, I think you best hit the fucking road. Ooh. And I, and looked at me a certain way and I said, let me get a bag. So I scooped up some clothes, threw it in a duffel bag and, you know, left. And went where? To my buddy's house. Got, luckily, his mom was cool. I slept there for probably two or three days. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just couch surfed around with friends, you know, and then talked a guy into eventually, you know, getting a, getting an apartment with me. But I never went back. That's for sure. Yeah. Never went back. What What was, what about your, your mom in that situation? Was- well, my mom and my real mom uh, was... We were already, you know, not talking with her because she was, my mom and dad got divorced when I was two. Okay. So, but my stepmom, who was there since I was two, um, who I kind of consider my mom anyway, because like she's the one that raised me. Mm -hmm. Um, She did whatever my dad said. So like she, she didn't, she didn't run shit. That's so interesting. As as a, as a father now, you're a father of seven, seven. As a father now, and I know you have young, young daughters, I know you've got a quite a range of a very big range um, of ages of your of your kids. And I want to talk about that. But 
I'm assuming at the time that happened as a teenager that it seems like that felt kind of like normal to you or not out, not so out the ordinary. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I was kind of happy about it. Okay. Because now I had no rules, Mm. you know, I could do what I want. I could go where I want. You, you talking about getting kicked out? Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, dude, no no more, I, like, I'm free. Yeah. Like, you know, I, nobody can tell me what to do anymore. Like, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Quite how, frankly, how do you, how do you view that now? How do you view that now, decades later, as a the father same. of seven? Really, you view it the same way? Yeah. Like, in other words, you know, if you're 16 years old, first of all, you, I hope by now you're already, you know, fairly smart. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can take care of yourself. You understand the world. And now, again, did I understand the world? Can, but yeah. What's that? I said, I don't think most 16 year olds can, but no, but I mean, I would hope that you're savvy mm. and I would say that I was savvy. Okay. Um, I, I think that's I rare. I, I didn't that's understand rare. the world though. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Yeah. But, but I did think I was savvy and you know, I was excited. I wasn't afraid and I mm. wasn't uh, mad or sad and I didn't feel like nobody loved me. You know, I felt like, you know, it's time to, it's time to go. Okay. So I got kicked out and then, you know, just couch surfed a little bit. And, you know, I don't remember exactly bing, 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 but you know, I turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. So t- talk me through that because am I right in saying you, you became a father when you were in your teens, right? Yeah. 17, 17. Okay. Um, I don't, you, you, can you, can you tell me about that in whatever, whatever level of detail you want to, um, what, well, well, what, what there was a there? girl. There was a girl that I used to know in grade school, mm-hmm. and we liked each other back then. When we'd give notes, you know, will you go with me? I don't know if they still do that, but back <laughs> in my day, you would write them a note to see if they'd be your girlfriend. And what's funny is, in the second grade, I wrote this girl a note that said, "Will you be my girlfriend?" And she and she put in there, "Yes, but don't tell anybody," because everyone knew me as a like you know full of shit liar. <laughs> <laughs> so so she she wanted to you know be my girlfriend but she didn't want anybody to know because she didn't want to get made fun of that you know she's his girlfriend so anyway um after i you know became a teenager i saw her one night at a at a you know teenage dance club i forget even the name of it but it was it wasn't for adults it was for up to 18 mm-hmm. and so i you know hung out with her and we decided we liked each other again so we dated for like maybe a week and a half and that was the first time we decided to try the old sex. Mm-hmm. So, boom, wow. I had a baby. So, the first time I did it, the first time I had a baby. Wow. And now I'm like, and obviously, she, you know, she gets to decide everything. If she says she's having it, you're having it. Mm-hmm. You don't get to decide whether you don't have it, you have it, or, you know, you just do what happens. So, and I was immature, living on my own, you know, not really responsible at all. Um, did you so, have a job at that time? You know, I've, I always had jobs off and on and, yeah. and here and there, but like, you know, no, yeah. I wasn't a career man mm-hmm. at this point. I was still a little punk. Um, but, you know, so I waited another year, I think, and a half to, to ever do it again. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, next time I do it, another one. Wow. So, so now I have two babies from two moms. Wow. And then I moved to Las Vegas when I was about 22 and met my first wife mm-hmm. and had two boys okay so now i've got four kids from three moms at 22 at 20 no uh, uh 20 when i moved here when i moved here and met okay. her it took a couple years so probably 24 25 okay got it and then she wanted to be the boss 
which I'm the boss. Okay. If you're with me, uh, I'm running shit. If you don't want to be with me, I understand. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but she wanted to be the boss, tell me what to do, where, where to go, who I could hang out with. Like it was miserable. Mm-hmm. So we ended up getting a divorce. And then, um, I met another one that I wasn't ever going to marry ever again, but this one was so cool and laid back and, you know, sexy. I'm like, all right, what was the matter? I've already lost once. You know, I've already been divorced. Like if I've never been divorced, I probably wouldn't have done it, but okay. I already was divorced. So to me, it's like, now it doesn't matter anymore. Cause you only want to get married once in your life. Mm-hmm. I ruined that. So I didn't think it was that big a deal. And I'm glad because we, I, we got married and had three little girls. So that's seven kids four mothers but it's completely explainable like some people think that sounds all trashy and it's like you know i i understand that but it it wasn't like i had sex in 17 so did a lot of people did you Mm -hmm. even the beaver cleaver families they were having sex at 17 see see there's nothing wrong with that contraception yeah and then and then and then and then eight uh 19 yeah everyone was doing it then Mm. you know it wasn't like i was running around you know banging a bunch of chicks and being a wild person Mm -hmm. but what happened happened and now you know i have seven kids thankfully so how old's how old's the oldest 37 wow so you've got a kid that's older than me i'll be i'll be i'll be 37 in two days so that wow that's and the youngest is must be 18 months 18 months so 18 months to 37 years old that's that's fascinating to me that's genuinely fascinating to me because I even just you, becoming a dad at 17, that's uh, I know what happens. Um, it probably used to be more common back in the day than it is now. Um, but man, I just feel like there's got to be what, what are some of the this is a this is a very open ended question. But I mean, what are some of the biggest stories you've learned from that? Because I think that there's a lot of. There's a lot of young and middle-aged men who listen to this podcast, and I know some of them right now are going to be like have all sorts of questions in their head right now. Like, whoa! Like, what? I wish it was live and we could take them take yeah. the live questions. Uh, I mean, I have so many stories. I don't know what relating to what. What did I learn from being a father at such a young at, at such a young age? I didn't really learn anything. Okay, um, uh, because I was irresponsible. You know, I learned that. Uh, you know, you got to pay child support. Mm. And if you don't, you get in trouble. I learned that, um, you know, if you don't consistently take care of your child and responsibility, y- you'll end up basically losing them, mm-hmm. you know? So, well, her name's Brenda, but Brenda, which was the first mom, and I were like, you know, together for the week. The second one, we weren't together at all. Okay. Like I just, it was just a one night thing. Well, it wasn't even a one night thing. She came over one time, which there's a whole story behind that, but she had a car I wanted to drive. So I'm like, Hey, let me drive the car. She said, okay. So I took her in then the car and took her to the place called Austin stadium. and was doing burnouts and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And then I pulled over and she was giving me the googly eyes, which, you know, I knew, you know, I could. So I did. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was and, then, it. and then I drove and then I drove back and said, see ya and never saw her again. Now she, okay. she wanted to see me again, but I avoided her. Mm-hmm. And then, so she came around with a baby and I'm like, E, so now I'm, you know, freaking. Cause like, Oh my God. But the baby looked just like her boyfriend. Cause she had a boyfriend at the time. Okay. And so I just denied, denied, denied. That ain't my girl. That ain't my girl, oh, little wow. girl. That ain't my little girl. So anyway, again, finally manned up and took a blood test a couple years later. And sure it is. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I didn't really learn anything then I was a punk. I was mm-hmm. irresponsible. 
until I was 30, man, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I didn't learn anything. I think I, you know, learned a lot going along, but didn't really, it didn't really sink in until I was about 30. Okay. What was that shift? What caused it to sink in? You know, I don't know. I like to tell the story of why I started this company, which was I helped a guy make money that worked at our car dealership. Mm -hmm. He was a lot porter, minimum wage. He had a, you know, really cool family, you know, but the family would come in very sad, not sad, but just kind of quiet and shy. And, you know, I would equate that to sad, but they would come in and just kind of mope around. And, you know, this guy was so cool and humble and nice and like, you know, went to went to church just to like the, you know, really nice guy, but just had no money. Mm-hmm. And he spoke Spanish because he was Mexican and he, he, you know, he wasn't from the United States. So so there was a little bit of that going on, too. And so he ultimately was a cool dude. And I thought, man, let me show him how to make some money so mm-hmm. he can you know make a little money. And so I brought him out into the sales department and started, you know, showing him how to sell clothes and persuade people. And the next thing you know, dude, he was making 15, 20 grand a month. Mm. Now, minimum wage to 15 grand a month, dude, that's a, that's That's a major. Yeah, it's major. So I watched the impact that it had with his family. His kid was, kids would come in happy. Mm. You know, they'd come in laughing and giggling. They'd have new shoes and new clothes before they would all be, you know, almost like embarrassed. And I kind of remember that as a kid. And so it, it felt really good to help them. And I thought, I'm going to quit my job and start a training company so I can go help people learn how to sell and close. Okay. So what, I, what was your job at the time? I was the general sales manager of, of this dealership. Got it. A dealership for, well, what do you mean? Well, what type of dealership? Sorry. It was a I Dodge dealership. Oh, okay. Car, car dealership. Yeah, okay. car. Car. Okay. I, I spent a lot of time in the car business. Got it. You know, but anyway, so I was running a car dealership watch this guy just transform. I thought it felt good. And I had the ability to do it because I used to, you know, get people out of Burger King windows and say, you know, what are you doing? You know, if they were cool, I could say, I could say, Hey, you want to make some real money? Show up and I'll teach you how to sell cars. And I'd give them a job. And man, I just all the time, it was easy for me. Mm. And so soon as I did it for him though, I watched the family react. And I just thought to myself, you know, it just dawned on me one day, you know, I need to help people make more money. So I quit my job to start a training company. Okay. And then I went out and started a training company and realized it didn't work. Uh, I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. And and then I did a little research to figure out why it wasn't working. And I discovered the four key ingredients to training, which most people miss. And so then I invented this software to do it for me. Mm -hmm. And that software became the software, you know, everybody started using to train people with. And so that kind of put me on the map. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So everyone was like, yeah, I didn't know you were into software. I found someone and sold them on building my platform and That's then eventually cool. gave them a piece of equity so they wouldn't leave and, you know, got backstabbed by a couple of a par- couple of partners that I started with, you know, got them in because they were my friends. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, let's give them a third each and we'd all be a third partner. So I had to buy them out. I mean, the whole thing took 20 years. You know, when you look back, it was like, you know. Well, that was over 20 years. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories in there, but that's essentially, I think when I changed, I used to always want to be rich and mm-hmm. I always wanted everything for myself. And that was the first time I didn't really want anything for myself. I just wanted to help other people, which is funny because you hear, you know, I, I got it from Zig Ziglar, but you hear from a lot of people, a lot of wise individuals, you know, you 
if you really want to be successful, you know, look to help other people. And mm-hmm. I never understood that till then. You know, before that, I was like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. Screw other people. Like, I need help. <laughs> like, I need a better car. I need more money. I need to survive. I want a big house. I want, you know, I want it all. Mm-hmm. So everything was about me, me, me. And then around 30, when that happened, that's the first time I can remember, like, I didn't really think about me anymore. I was kind of thinking about just helping other people. But I didn't know that's what was happening. Mm. Looking back, I do. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think I know for myself, when I shifted my mindset from how can I earn more money to how can I help more people, I started earning a lot. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And that that is how it works, because I couldn't ever break like four or five hundred thousand a year, Mm -hmm. no matter what I did. You know, I even tried some illegal shit. <laughs> you know, it wasn't working. I was just, you know, I made a little money doing illegal shit, but not millions. Mm-hmm. So I literally started doing better once I stopped focusing on myself and started focusing on the helping of others. Absolutely. What would you say was your first success? Was your first success career wise in the car dealership? Would that have been the, the first thing prior to Lightspeed VT? I mean, it depends on what you're, def- you know, what, what was success. what was the first thing for you that, you know, cause you said you had a lot of, you know, chaos and you weren't particularly responsible in your teens and your twenties. And then something started. But I was still successful in a lot of things. Okay. Got it. What, what was the first thing that made you for in your own personal perspective, however you consider success, what was the first thing you did that made you be like, Hey, like, cool. Like I, I am successful. When did you first feel that? Well, I mean, you know, when, when I got my first car, okay, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, back in the day, if you had a car, you were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Beaver Cleaver families, you know, they gave their kids cars. Mm-hmm. We didn't get given cars. No, I, I never so, got given a car. That's a, yeah. So that when one. I got a car on <laughs> yeah. my own, you uh-huh. know, I, th- I thought I was pretty cool about that. What was your first car? It was a uh, uh, Pontiac Trans Am, mm-hmm. but, it, but it wasn't mine. I got a car. I got a job at a car dealership and I tell a whole story about, you know, the job before that, everyone told me to get a real job. I was thinking, okay, what's a real job? I was working at a blue collar, with a blue collar family. So the real job to them was working at the mill, you know, going up and logging trees and just hard labor. Mm-hmm. So I got a job with the forest service fighting forest fires. And, okay. and they're like, you know, great. That's unbelievable. That's a great job to get. And I'm like, okay. So I go up there expecting that I'm going to be, you know, walking around saving eagle eggs with an axe over my shoulder, looking like freaking some stud, right? And a big old wolf by my side, you know, <laughs> trekking the mountains, you know. But that's not what happened. I show up and they give me a big old bag of water and I'm supposed to s- spray the stumps or squirt the stumps that are smoldering. Okay. So, so the fire is already down the way. I'm in the back keeping it from coming back, Got right? It. I'm squirting on stumps up and down mountains with this heavy bag of water squirting on stumps. There was nothing romantic about it. I was not an action hero. It was crazy. And then two days later, I get poison oak on my arm. I go to the boss and I said, listen, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it in. I'm starting to get poison oak right here. And he opened his shirt and basically was covered in it and oh, said, wow. dude, it's part of the job, man. You're going to you're gonna get poison oak. And so I said, listen, I'm done. I'm not doing this. <laughs> and everyone said I was crazy and, you know, I'm throwing my life away. Mm-hmm quitting this bullshit job Mm -hmm. and so the next day i opened up the newspaper saw an ad for selling cars and so when i went in there they gave me a trans am okay so they would give out what's called demos and it was unbelievable to me this this job wanted you to have poison oak this job wants you to have a trans am (laughs) with t-tops 
So they said, go out and pick out a car. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They go, yeah, you get a demo. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? And so I'm looking at these row of Trans Ams. Mm -hmm. It was Williams, Wilson, Pontiac, Volkswagen. I'm like, even one of those? They said, just pick a car. So I ran out and got a Trans Am. So that was my first car. I wanted to ask about sales. Is that something that you naturally just were always good at? Yeah. Okay. And how did you get better at it? I take it you obviously would have had some type of training at the dealership, but I'm, I'm curious of how you, I'm curious of the sales journey because sales is a funny word because I think it has to a lot of non-entrepreneurs, it has a, has a sort of negative stigma to sure. it. Oh, that person's a, a salesman, you know, sales, sales, it sounds too salesy, whatever. But the truth is in this world, and I don't just mean this in the economic and financial sense, we are always, we're always selling. We started the conversation talking about influence, sales, influence. These things are connected. If you, every time you're, you're having a conversation, you're dealing with another human being, you're negotiating something, whatever it is, like we're constantly selling ourselves to the world in different ways. You could say even more so now in this age of social media and online, everyone is out there, whether or not they know it and they're conscious of it, we're always selling, we're always influencing. And now, of course, sales is that that's what you do. That's what you've been doing for, for decades. So how did you, how did you take that journey to improve it to the stage where, I mean, you now run a business where you teach other people how to sell and you enable them to, you give them the software tools to enable them to do that themselves. Can you tell me what that journey has been like? What was the, what was the first thing you ever sold? Um, you know, I don't remember. I think candy bars. I was six years old. And <laughs> I they, used to sell candy bars as well. Yeah, like six or seven, they gave yeah. me a box of candy bars. And I went home and my brothers ate a few. And like, you know, I, 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 my family wasn't buying any. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So I had to go out and knock on doors and see if I could get some sales. And so I developed a little sales pitch after a few doors. And I said, I put the candy bars behind my back and I'd knock on the door and they'd answer. And I'd say, do you know the phone number to a good roof repairman? Mm-hmm. They'd say, what? And I'm like, because when you taste one of these, you're going to go through the roof. And they started buying them box <laughs> after box after box. It was crazy. And I just thought, wow, man. So I outsold every single other kid in the school. Matter wow. of fact, they would give me all the candy bars that were left over that the other kids other kids couldn't sell. Mm. And I sold every single one, which was probably never this done is, again. This is when you were six, did you say? Six, six to seven six, years seven. old. Wow. So that's when, like, I didn't realize I had the gift, uh-huh. but I realized, um, you know, that I was successful. So did you come up with, sorry, did you come up with that roof line yourself? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, my dad right now, if he were still alive and you asked him, you remember this? He'd say, what are you talking about? Because he didn't even recognize that I was the best salesperson at the mm, school. Okay. You know, my dad only came to one sporting event. I was in a, on a swim team. Mm-hmm. And again, very young, six, seven years old, they entered me into this swim team and you were supposed to be, you know, if you've never swam before, you're supposed to be in this league. It was called the guppies. Okay. So you, you know, you would join and you would learn. And then the next year you'd start, you know, doing the different leagues. Well, I beat them so badly when we swam in the, in the meet that my dad was at, that they disqualified me. They said he shouldn't be in this league. Oh, he's not a beginner. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? He's never swam before, which I, which I hadn't. (laughs) Yeah. And so I beat them so bad, they disqualified me. Wow. And my dad never came to another sport sporting event of mine ever again. Not because of that. Mm-hmm. I think just coincidentally, but that's the only one I remember him coming to, and I was disqualified. 
So he didn't pay attention to me and and what we were doing. And when I say me, we had I had brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't pay attention to any of us. You're one of five. Is that right? Uh, yeah, one five. of five. Okay. I mean, there's more, but those are half brothers. Got it. And because um, when my mom and dad got divorced, she apparently you know didn't want to give up, so she kept you know having kids. So she had another four. Okay. So I have four half brothers. Got it. Got it. And you used to play, I was listening to a podcast with you. You used to play football and baseball as yeah. well. Is that right? Yeah. Football, and I heard baseball. you were actually very fast and talented at that. But again, it's something that wasn't, didn't seem to be acknowledged or recognized at the time. Nobody really recognized it, you know, but I ran a four, four forty, which people go, dude, come on. I'm telling you right now, mm-hmm. that's the facts. Um, and baseball, I either hit a home run or struck out. So it was either, you know, I did real well or real bad. Yeah. Baseball wasn't very uh, appealing to me because, you know, I either hit a home run or struck out. Mm-hmm. Um, football, I was fast. But one one day I, you know, was flirting with the cheerleader or something and the coach embarrassed me. And basically I said, fuck you. And, you know, walked off and, you know, nobody said you're making a mistake. Yeah, I had no real parenting even mm-hmm. when I wasn't kicked out. You know, I, I had no real parenting, I would say. Okay. So fast forwarding a little bit. So what year did you start Lightspeed VT in its 99? In its form, 99. Okay. Well, I, you know, I started thinking about it and taking action in 99. I would say, I think the, you know, business was started in January of 2000. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you've been running that now for over two decades. What has been, tell me about some of the greatest challenges in that process. I want to, I ask this because every entrepreneur has a massive story of ups and downs. I find that again, especially in this social media age, people just, people are introduced to you where you are now, right? So if someone comes across your Instagram or your website tomorrow, they're like, oh, cool. Look at this guy. He's he's successful. He's talking about this. Oh, he's got this company with all of these employees. He's doing this. He's doing that. And oftentimes people just don't know and don't fully appreciate and perhaps often don't hear the story behind it all. Right. Yeah. They're just like, oh, this guy just came out of nowhere and has all these followers and is this and is this. But they don't really understand what that what that process was like. So can you talk me a little bit through from going to working with that young man to get his income up and helping him learn how to sell stuff to where things are now. Cause you now have over how many employees do you have now? Well, how much time do we have? You tell me. I mean, well, again, dude, that's 24 years worth of stuff. That is 24 but, years. But worth you of stuff, know, yeah. in a nutshell, when I, when I started the company, I was mm-hmm. way too early. The biggest challenge is I was way too early. Okay. People didn't understand what I was talking about. I'm talking about, listen, you don't keep training them the way you're training them. We can train them online and then you you don't have to be there and this and this. And they just weren't listening. Mm-hmm. I was ahead of my time. It took about eight years to start really getting going. Um, and, f- and until then, you know, I'll tell you, I believed that I was going to be successful wholeheartedly the entire time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would have quit. Yep. So, so like, if you would have came to me 30 days after I started the company, I would have told you in 90 days, I'm going to be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Dude, there's unbelievable stuff going on. I'm telling you right now, 90 days, dude, I'm done. And in 90 days, you'd see me and you'd say, how's it going? And I'd say, well, 
bro, I'm this close. Like mm-hmm. 90 days, I'm telling you right now, oh, I got so many deals cooking. Every 90 days you would have seen me, I would have said the same thing. And by the way, like I'll say it today, like yep. 90 days from today is going to be way different than, than what's going on right now. I mean, I'm fairly successful now, but 90 more days when I got, cause I got some deals cooking. Mm-hmm. It's like, I really believe that even today, but the whole entire time I thought I was 90 days away from winning. So I just, it's easy to keep going when you're 90 days away. Yeah. But a lot of people, they don't have that mindset. They don't have that perspective. They, they have the opposite. Mm-hmm. They, even though they might be real close to winning, they think it's going to be forever. I, I thought the opposite. I thought it was going to be winning tomorrow. So it's easy to keep going when you think you're right near the finish line. How do you maintain that mindset through that whole time? Because th- th- that's really interesting because it has a lot of echoes with my own entrepreneurial journey and creative journey and everything. And most people do not have that mindset and don't have that tenacity. So where do you think or how do you think you were able to maintain that process? I, I don't know. Okay. But I believed it. Okay. So, so again, I wasn't fooling myself. It wasn't a technique that I learned, you know, I didn't know that what I was doing. I just believed it. Mm-hmm. Like, why did I believe it? Because I had a lot of things going on. You know, I remember, you know, uh, I was going to close Tony Robbins. I didn't know it would take almost six years to do it. Yeah. So, so when I first, you know, met with Tony Robbins, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, that's going to happen in a couple of weeks. And then mm-hmm. a couple of weeks later, it was a couple of weeks and a couple of weeks later, it was a couple of weeks. And I just kept believing it was a couple of weeks away when it took almost seven years. Yeah. I, I think that most people in, I've said this before, I think most people in most things just give up way too early. 100%. I think in everything, this could be a fitness routine, it could be a, it could be a diet, it could be a business, just it could be a relationship. I just think people give up too early and a lot of success, like I, I know and have met a lot of successful people in different fields at this point and you, it sounds cliche, but you, you have to just keep going. Well, sure. You, you just you just keep on going. And if you do that, the fact is most people won't do the same. So you can often win just by being that guy who keeps on going. Everyone else over time is, is, is dropping out and making excuses and quitting and this and that. And you just keep on going. You don't need to get there the fastest. You don't need to have like the, you know, overnight success or, you know, boom, two years and your company is flying or whatever. But if you just keep on going, then you'll be the last man standing. Yeah. I would think, I would think more people never get started than get started and quit too early. Mm. See what I'm saying? Like, like, believe it or not, I think the majority is they don't even start. It's because they're afraid. At least the ones that started and gave up started, Yeah, you know, but I, but you're right. If you, if you get started and you get discouraged and you start listening to that voice in your head Mm. and and worse, everybody else around you, Mm You know, it's pretty easy to give up, you know, especially if you're if you're soft. You know, I wasn't soft like Mm -hmm. I was out on my own as a kid. You know, nothing really scared me when I look back. Like, you know, I have people go, geez, dude, that's terrible. You know, Mm -hmm. hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you sorry for? Like, Like, (laughs) not only that, it wasn't even sad. It was like it was it was a good thing to Mm -hmm. me. I was happy I was getting booted out. I wasn't Mm -hmm. sad. I didn't walk away. I didn't get abused. I got kicked out. Like, like, you know, my dad said, you know, go be a man. Yeah. And so what if I didn't get that? What if he wouldn't have been that way? Where would I be? I don't know. Yeah. So all I can tell you is whatever happened to me 
was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I realize what a lot of people don't. And that is money and, 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 and everything that we think we want in life isn't necessarily uh, uh, what you want over life itself. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized that, I think I just have an advantage because I'm more grateful for just life yes. than most. I wake up, I think to myself, I get another day. And then I go and do my little routine, and that's how I start every single day. Now, I never used to be that way, but that gratitude, I think, is the secret ingredient to life. And how I put it sometimes, there's a video that went viral uh, about it, and I basically said, if I handed you $10 million, would you freak out? How would you feel? They'd say, oh, it would be awesome, yada, yada, yada. And I'd say, well, would you rather you, you get $10 million and not wake up tomorrow, or would you rather wake up tomorrow? And they're like, well, of course, I'd rather wake up tomorrow. So you are admitting that waking up is worth $10 million, mm-hmm. more Way than more. $10 million. Way more. Yeah. How come you don't act like that then mm-hmm. every time you wake up? Because every yeah. time you wake up and realize you just got a gift worth more than $10 million, and now you're going to run around and be boo-hoo because you didn't mm-hmm. get your $10 million? Like, dude, you got another day. Yep. So if you if you get really focused and grateful on just having the life, the opportunity, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I think you're in a better advantage. So it creates optimism. Mm-hmm. So my morning routine, I, I get my blood pumping no matter what. I read something no matter what. I, f- I basically write down five things that are going to drive revenue this day mm-hmm. and then i reach out to five people or i i identify i don't always reach out to him in the morning because sometimes it's 4 30 but i identify who i'm gonna uh reach out to that day to build a relationship and when i say build nurture you know a relationship mm-hmm. because i realize all the revenue that's ever came my direction has come from a relationship mm-hmm. and if you think back you'll go mine too yep. and then you start to realize everybody's money has been derived from a relationship of some kind. Mm-hmm. So if you want more money, and I do, I need more relationships. Why? Because that's where money comes from. They tell you money doesn't grow on trees, but they don't tell you where it grows. It grows in other people's <laughs> pockets. So if you want more money, you got to you got to build more relationships. That's why I, I you know my quote is, "More hands you shake, more money you make." Mm-hmm. That's just the bottom line truth. So when I wake up with that gratitude. Right. And I understand, I think, the, the, the keys to life. Like, in other words, it's not about the money. It's about the relationships. Mm-hmm. When you get sick and you think you're going to die, you're not thinking about money. No. You're think, I'm telling people right now, if they don't even believe me, trust me. Just throw the trust out there. If you got told you're going to die in a couple of weeks, you're broke. You don't care if you're broke. You're rich. You don't care if you're rich. Mm-hmm. All you're thinking about are relationships. That's all you'll be thinking about. And and those relationships are what matter. Like you don't have to get you know critically sick to, to learn that. Mm. So you put the, the, the relationships over the money, right? You, first thing's health because if you lose that, you'll give up everything to get it back. Yep. Then relationships because if you're on your deathbed, that's all you care about. So don't wait till then to start caring about them, mm-hmm. right? Get good with your relationships. Build and nurture them on a regular basis. And then focus on the money. Because, again, there's nothing bad about money. And when people are against focusing on it, I disagree with that as well. Because a lot of times people won't focus on money and then they're surprised they don't have any. Yeah. And if you don't focus on it, then those other things, your health and relationships, take take a hit. Well, it goes back to being real. Like, listen, if, you, if you're offended because I, I find money attractive, mm-hmm. you know, I like money. 
I like what it does for me. Mm-hmm. I like what it allows me to do for others. Mm-hmm. I like the, the impact that it gives me. So I focus on it. Why? Because what you want, you should focus on. Um, if you were one of those people that are like, oh, that's terrible news. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people well, care. They th- care about what other people think. It's called allodoxophobia. Look it up one day. Everyone says, I thought you were joking. No, that's a real word. Mm-hmm. Allodoxophobia. It's the fear of another person's opinion. And it's after death. It's one of the greatest fears that exists. The reason why so many people don't do so many things that they genuinely want to do is because of the fear of judgment, right? We're, we're human. We're, we're social animals. Why doesn't someone start that podcast, write that book, you know, create that YouTube channel, start that business or whatever? It's it's. Some people say it's because they're afraid of success. I don't think it's because people are afraid of success. I think they're afraid that they're going to look foolish or silly in front of other people. They don't want if to. it doesn't go popular. Yeah. Yeah. That's, they, that's they, the they, thing. They, they, they forecast this, the worst of it. Yes, exactly. It's the same nope. reason why, you know, the vast majority of adults are afraid of public speaking. That one's called glossophobia. Um, is that what it's called? Glossophobia. I'm yeah. going to go look that up. Glossophobia. <laughs> glossophobia. Well, see, I'm not afraid of that either. Yeah, fear of public speaking. And it's because I always tell people, I'm like, it's not because you're afraid of speaking. Like we all speak, we talk all day, every day. You're afraid that you're going to trip up on stage or you're going to not know the right word or you're going to look stupid. Stump. Yeah. You're afraid that other people, you're afraid of other people's opinions. Yeah. Right. That That's what it is. And it makes sense to some degree, right? Like we don't want to live in a completely, utterly shameless society where people are acting crazy because they literally well, but, absolutely but, don't care about anyone's opinions. But if it is the thing that's stopping you from achieving success and pursuing your goals and even helping other people, then that's that's crazy to me. Yeah, well, to me, I would suggest you be real, even if it means everybody's crazy. Mm-hmm. Because real is what lasts that's what that's the only thing that will last yeah when you say when you say this might sound like a weird question but when you say real what do you what do you specifically mean by that i mean like you know if you feel like saying something or doing something you do it and you like you said we can't go crazy or everyone will be like crazy you know no everyone won't be crazy i do everything that i want and think and i'm not crazy do you literally do everything you want and think well, I mean, you might like if I see <laughs> if I see someone who let's say I think, wow, holy crap, that you know that girl's huge. I don't go tap her on the shoulder and say, <laughs> "Ma'am, do you know that you're huge?" But I think she's huge, and yeah. I don't say it to anybody because, like, you know. Yeah, so 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 I'm a normal person. Like okay, I have yeah, yeah. I have I have tact. I have manners. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, if I like, for example, I think if you voted for Joe Biden, you're a dipshit. Mm-hmm. Now. I know there's a lot of nice people. There's people that work here. My assistant is a freaking Biden fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not against Biden people. I'm just saying if you voted for Biden, you're not that you're not that bright. Now, some people say, "Oh my god, if you say that, you're going to be Look, that's just what I believe. And if someone yeah. doesn't like me mm-hmm. because I'm not a Biden fan, mm-hmm. well then maybe they shouldn't be a fan anyway. Like that's the way I look at it. Why? Mm-hmm. I'd rather be me and nine people over here that are all you know, friends and everyone else against us. I don't want to be your friend if if you're, you know, all, all, I call it flimsy. Like, mm-hmm. you're that flimsy, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what your beliefs are. If you just told me right now, hey, dude, uh, actually, I used to be, you know, a girl. And I'd be like, damn, dude, they did a good job. I can't even fucking tell. I wouldn't be all of a sudden. What? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Get out of here. I wouldn't. Why? Because I don't care. Like mm-hmm. I'm open, but I'm also real. So to me, real is say what you think and, you know, be who you actually are. Yeah. But I guess I'm, I'm, it's easy for me because I'm not a, I'm not a weirdo. Mm-hmm. I'm not a racist. I'm not a pervert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not a bad person. So it might be easy for me. You know, if I'm just, if I'm constantly sitting there thinking all kinds of, you know, yeah, you. derogatory thoughts, well, maybe I wouldn't be real. Maybe I'd be freaking sneaky yeah. or, or, you know, shady somehow. And I, and I probably wouldn't come out and be yeah. what I believe that I feel, mm-hmm. but I think most people should. Yeah. Well, I think it's refreshing. I think it's refreshing to hear that because culture has pulled so much in, in the opposite direction of so many things that you're saying. Whether you're that's because ta- they want us divided, bro. Yeah. Why do you think that is? For control purposes. Mm-hmm. Because it's extreme here in the in the US. I mean, I travel the world a lot. And look, I always I get a lot of questions about the USA. When I'm in the US, my American friends and acquaintances want to know what, about my thoughts on our podcast today is sponsored by the Wellness Company. Did you know that nearly 90% of pharmaceuticals in the US are produced overseas? That's an alarming statistic. If you don't have an emergency kit on hand, it's time to get prepared. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications that every single American should keep in stock. It comes with a 22-page instruction guide on safe medical use for everything from snake bites to COVID to bioterror events. Another stellar product from the Wellness Company is Spike Support. Whether you got vaxxed or not, the virus is still among us in some capacity, as well as the related spike protein. Spike protein can cause brain fog, tissue damage, blood clots, and more. Spike Support is a detoxification powerhouse that aims to strengthen the body's natural immunity and flush out spike protein, so you can get back to that pre-COVID feeling. Get both of these products by going to twc.health forward slash Zuby and get 15% off with the discount code Zuby. That's twc.health forward slash Zuby and use discount code Zuby to get 15% off. Disclosure, the medical emergency kit is only available to U.S. residents. Uh, whether it's Dubai or Saudi Arabia or UK or wherever I am. Um, and then when I'm in those places, people are always asking, man, like, is the US as, is it as crazy as it's looking from a distance? Are people really that divided and polarized? Is it as violent and dangerous as it, I'm seeing? Are people fighting over race, fighting over politics, this and that? And the USA is a very weird and contradictory country in many ways because there is a level of truth to some of these things existing. And again, I think because we now have the internet, you get to see every little, you get to see every opinion and every incident that happens, it goes viral. And so you can get this filter that, man, like there's just crazy stuff happening here every day. And there is crazy stuff happening in this giant country every day. But what doesn't make the news and what doesn't go viral on social media is all the trillions of normal interactions Right. There's it was a sunny day in Chicago well, and sell nothing happened and everybody got on. Well, that that's not news. Hey, it's a bright, sunny day in Las Vegas and people are just minding their business and being kind to each other. That that doesn't make the news. But the stuff that does is the things that they can use and they can squeeze to find any fault line that exists in society. It could be political, religious, racial, ethnic, gender, whatever it is. And they just find those fault lines. And they just constantly that are sells papers. digging into it. Yeah. It's just like a post. If I make a post that's controversial in some sort of way, there's a thousand comments. Yeah. If I, if I, 
do a post of something great like you know my daughter just graduated third grade no one cares mm. so it's like you know they want controversy they want train wrecks if i say you know i i believe this is just something i believe see this is what I'm, my point like i don't care if someone doesn't agree with me yeah. why because i agree with myself and that's most people's problem is they seek validation from everybody else because they don't validate themselves mm -hmm. i validate myself I know I'm a good dude. I don't need you to tell me I'm a good dude or to validate that I am one. I mm -hmm. know that I'm one. I know what I do every day. I know my intentions. So I think that helps me be real. Yeah. But I just have certain beliefs and, you know, I'm open to changing them. But in order to change beliefs, you need new information. And to this day, I haven't, I haven't gotten any new information to change this belief. But my belief is a man should provide and protect for a woman and children. Mm -hmm. That's just my belief. So, like, you know, some a simp. It's not a simp, dude. Like, you're if, a dude. If people think that's simping, they don't know what the meaning of the word is. All I'm saying is, like, dude, you're a man. You're supposed to. You're yeah. supposed to earn the money, take care of the family, and and provide for women and children, and protect for yeah. women and children. So, so if that's a bad thing, well, then I guess I I'm a bad boy. Look, if you had said that, you know, any time prior to maybe the last twenty years, no one would have even balked at it no no one would have even thought a thing um but now we're living in this strange time where things that people have believed and thought and said all throughout human history and still believe and think and act all around the world you now say those things whether it's in my country the uk or the us or canada or whatever and suddenly it's controversial you say that hey men and women are different and we have different proclivities and strengths and weaknesses and interests and this leads to gender roles that scary that scary gender role thing um there's such an intense and crazy pushback on all of these things that i notice and it's also interesting because at the same time everyone acknowledges that men both men and women especially on the younger end are are getting less and less happy less and less content less and less fulfilled people are acting like men and women are supposed to be combatants rather than um companions right and that that's come through a lot of things it's come through feminism it's come through even some of the extreme overcorrection of some of the sort of modern red pill stuff is coming the other way i think a lot of it has come from loss of religion breakdown of family and so on and a lot of it is also just media brainwashing as we've talked about and a lot of cultural programming but i think it's just odd where we're, we're living in a time where you can literally i mean we've both experienced this you can go viral and you can build a massive following by saying things that are patently obvious, just something that would have been con considered common sense in the year 2000 or in 1990. And now it's like, ooh, wow. Like, did you hear what that guy said? Like, that's crazy. And I'm just like, man, how have we, how have we gotten here? Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> but, you know, I'll make a post like that. Like, yeah. like, hey, man, you know, start taking care of your girls. And then I'll get... Because it's controversial. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll get a bunch of people saying, dude, you're a simp. And then a bunch of people saying, dude, what are you talking about? That's what, you know, that's what my dad and that's what real men are. And then what, how do you know what a real man is? And bang, bing, 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 bing. Next what even you know, is a man? Yeah, but it goes viral. Yeah. Why? Well, because it was a little bit controversial. The, 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 the question is, is how come more people that are, you know, wanting to build a brand on social media, they don't say what they believe? Yeah. Well, because they're worried about getting canceled. They're worried about, you know, their friends and family thinking that they're rude or, or, or stupid or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. I say, say what you believe and you'll be surprised, you know, what happens. Cause what happens, at least it happened for me yeah. is the right people 
go away mm-hmm. and the right people stay yeah. some people say well how is that possible they're they're both the right people the right people that needed to go away go away on their own when you're authentic mm-hmm. because they just realize they don't like you you're not my cup of tea you know you don't believe what i believe so let me let me just unfollow you yeah believe people people don't know this but you know let's say i get 20 or thirty thousand new followers a month well i'm gonna actually get a hundred i lose 80 mm-hmm so so I get a hundred thousand people go, Oh, who's this guy? I kinda like him. Then yep. they see a four the or five one. of my videos, they're like, Oh, maybe I don't. And they click yeah. off me. But see, some people would be upset by that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad like that. Why? Because I don't want people that aren't I'm for me following me. I'm hundred percent with you. Yeah, I don't want fake followers. I don't want yes. fake friends. I don't want fake family. I don't want fake anything. I want real, because real you can touch and real lasts. Mm-hmm. And in order to be a real individual, I think I think ultimately we have to we have to realize that, you know, the relationships are the most important thing and the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people, they don't have a good relationship with themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in themselves. They don't they don't um they wouldn't bet on themselves and they think and talk negatively about themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you had a friend like that, what would you do? I would try to if you, if you had a friend like that did that to you all the time, eventually you'd get oh, rid of the friend. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I would, I mean, first things first, I try to help him out and shift his mindset. But if they but absolutely if you, refuse to do that, then yeah, I would disassociate. Exactly. Yeah. But you can't because it's, it's you, you doing yeah. it. So what happens is we develop this ego and, and, and a lot of it's subconscious, which means literally below awareness. So people get stuck in this rut and they don't understand why they don't win and they don't win because they don't they don't have a very good self image and you're not going to outperform your own self image mm. so if you want a higher net worth then you have to get a higher self worth you know you literally have to start valuing yourself more now in some cases people are going to be like but i don't know anything okay well then fucking learn something mm-hmm. Well, I'm not very good at anything. Okay, then practice at something for 10,000 hours, man. You know how you get good at something? You practice. You do it. Yeah. Is this rocket science shit? No one taught you this? Like, I got kicked out. No parent taught me this. You just learn it. Like, everyone knows this shit. Mm. So if you want to get good at pool, go play pool. You want to get good at basketball, go play basketball. You want to get good at sales, go do sales. But but if listen, it boils down to these three things, dude. Mindset, skill set habits Mm -hmm. that you tell me a guy's mindset i'll tell you whether they're likely to succeed their skill set and their habits mixed with all that buddy it's guaranteed that you will win or lose based on your mindset skill set and habits what kind of habits do you have most people they don't even audit their habits Mm -hmm. like go see what kind of habits that you have eating habits you know all your different habits are causing you to be where you are yeah we're the culmination of our long-term habits Right. Like eating, if I eat one, one garbage meal today, it's not going to suddenly, I'm not going to, yeah, like, my, my, my whole physique is not going to suddenly, it's not going to undo the 20 years of training. Yeah, yeah. Last night, my wife makes, she makes two things that are like almost, I can't resist them. Yeah. One is biscuits and gravy. Mm. Dude, I'm telling, you, <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, it's the best biscuits. and I, I literally want to open up a restaurant for her just to sell biscuits and gravy and close down at like noon. Mm-hmm. But um, she, this another thing she does with her these somehow egg something. Uh, I don't even want to call them tortillas, but they're t- tortillas with eggs. It's almost like a egg pie. I don't know. I okay. don't know what to call it. 
It's just her little concoction. But last night, she made it for herself. And I'm kind of trying to get, you know, a little bit shredded. Mm-hmm. And man, she said, it was she come up, she want one? No. I said, no. Why? Well, because I'm trying to accomplish something. If I would have had one of those, I would have had 10 Five. of those. Yeah. How so, did you meet your wife? I was set up on a blind. No, it wasn't really a blind date because it wasn't a date. My friends told me, hey, we're at the sushi bar right by your house. You want to stop by on your way home? You, you going to eat? And I said, yeah, I'm going to eat anyway. I'll stop by and have something with you. So I stopped by and she was there. And coincidentally, I didn't know it, but that's what they told her. Hey, you want to stop by and get something to eat with us? And And so she said, okay. And I was there. So, you know, I ordered a bunch of food and a little bit of sake and you know then we went to my house and as soon as she saw that it was over <laughs> <laughs> i have got a question for you brad and this is look this is real talk with zuby and you're the real brad lee um but ba- based on so various things i've even heard you heard you talk about um what are your thoughts on marriage this is a big conversation that's also going on right now right if you are a especially if you're a young, successful man or potentially on the trajectory for it. Does marriage, let's put it this way, does does marriage in the West make sense? Is it a good deal? What are the incentives? Well, it's not a good deal. Okay. It's never a good deal. Um, but, you know, when people ask that, I, I get conflicted only because I believe in commitment. Yes, I don't believe necessarily in marriage. People say, well, Brad, you're married. Mm-hmm. I know I'm married because my wife doesn't have the same opinion as me. She wanted, <laughs> she wants to be married. You know, she was younger than me. I'm going to, I'm going to let her be happy and be married. Got it. But if she would have said the same thing I would have said, which is we don't need to actually be married to consider ourselves married. Yes. Like go, go into the church and, and, you know, take your vows and be married. Why do you have to sign something and then turn it into the state? Mm. And then 10 years later, if something happens, uh, the, the state gets to decide things, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need the state involved. So to me, getting married on, on that realm where the state's now involved yeah. is stupid. Yeah. Okay. Nobody should do it. But should you get married and, or com- commit? Mm. Well, sure you should, I think. You know, but I'm a I'm a I'm a one, you know, horse cowboy type of thing. Like I don't if if right now I could have a hundred different women and and all of them were okay with it, I I don't think I would. Yeah. I like one. Mm-hmm. So so to me, you know, I believe in commitment. So when you say marriage, I hear commitment, I hear all the positive things about marriage. I'm a for marriage. Okay. But when it comes to uh the facts, I'm against yeah. marriage. Why? Because you don't need to be married to commit to someone and love someone and honor someone and provide for someone. You don't need to be married for that. Yeah. And you don't need protection if you're if you're with the right person, right? And not only that, if you go ten years and let your husband or 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 wife, you know, put all the money in their own personal bank accounts and basically put nothing in your name and you're not sharing or joining at all, and you're that you know, I would say asleep at the wheel mm-hmm. to realize you're not building anything. You're, they're building everything mm-hmm. and let's pretend you're not married. Cause that's why you get married. Right. In case anything happens. Right. Yeah. So again, and that is not a good deal. Yeah. Especially I, for men. Usually. I think, I think it's something that needs so many more bigger and more honest conversations because, you know, I talk to people in so many different fields and spheres. So I've been on a lot of, you know, I've been on like Christian and faith-based 
podcasts and done interviews and know people in that sphere. I'm a Christian myself. I know, um, you know, I've been on some of the big like red pill and dating type of shows I've been on. And there seems to these these groups and oftentimes are kind of like talking across talking across from each other. Not a lot of people want to. So if, if, for example, I go on Twitter and I've done this before and I've said, okay, if you're a, if you're a young successful man and let's say you're not religious, what's the best argument for marriage? When I say marriage, I don't mean commitment. I mean, marriage, right? Like going and signing the papers, doing like tax, tax, better tax situations. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that, is that it? Pretty much. Yeah. I, like, I don't think it's a good deal. Like I'm very, I'm very pro marriage. I'm pro family. My parents, my parents have been together like almost 50 years at this point, married almost 50 years. Um, yeah, but the fact that they have a little piece and, of paper with the state does not no, mean but, anything. But also there are family and their relationship. It's, it's faith-based. That's what right? I'm saying. So, so if, if you're, if they it, never officially yeah. turned in that certificate mm-hmm. to where if the state looked, they're not married. They've never been married in this state, mm-hmm. but they've, were married at the church and mm-hmm. acted like they've acted this whole time and you found out they weren't actually married yeah would you think they no, weren't no. and 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 this is also interesting because even in the i mean in, in the bible itself right like the first marriages <laughs> were not go to the state and stand in a building and sign pieces of paper or what adam and eve were married like i'm assuming they didn't have um <laughs> i'm assuming no one officiated it and they didn't uh, have vows like all the you know entire old testament when people got married it was just like okay you're you're married i don't understand some of those stories back then yeah which is why i'm still seeking okay and if you read scripture it says seek and you yes. shall find so mm-hmm. i'm seeking i'm doing as i'm told but when i think back to adam and eve is that the very first two ever mm-hmm. ever yeah okay so adam and eve were were in existence right that's it no one else around just those two okay and then they had babies mm-hmm. and then did those babies have babies yes who who fucked them there was there was incest they were there was heavy, there was heavy incest at the at the beginning and that's that's acknowledged in the bible like, is it that, yeah i with adam and eve and, and then you know cain and abel and so on so it's that not, means we're all related so and we explicit all explicit there but later on there's you know people marrying their aunties and cousins even and fathers and fathers and daughters wouldn't that mean daughters wouldn't that if that's the truth because again yeah we weren't there you're just going on what you're reading yeah yeah but if that's the truth well then wouldn't we all be related yeah i mean we all are related every single one of us We, we all we all i think regardless of someone's viewpoint whether they have a purely secular evolutionary lens or a more uh religious lens any of the abrahamic faiths anyway um either way like we are all human. if you yeah if, if you go up far enough up the tree well, yeah, we're all then, human yeah we're we are all related like we've got to be no i mean i'm tracing it back yeah. but like you, you know like you and i definitely could be related but yeah we're more than likely not if you trace it back unless that's true then we are mm-hmm and if we are, like, where you been, dog? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, how come you ain't called? How hey, come man, I wasn't invited? It's why, I, it's why I call people bro. It's why I call people. <laughs> but at the end bro. of the day, man, you, you, you never know what to believe. Because yeah. if you really start looking, you start to see, you know, like the fact that there were omissions. Mm-hmm. The Bible literally had complete chapters omitted. Yeah, there's books that are. Again, in, why? Yeah. Um, number one. Number two you start to realize that, you know, it's been thousands of years and, and 
you believe what you believe based on who told you and then who told mm-hmm. you that and then who told them that and you mm-hmm. go back you go back you can go back to the 1500s and lose who told them that and you don't know anymore and there's and, and you can go another thousand years for sure but what do we what should we really believe you, you can't you just have to have faith yeah well i think that's why it's called that's why it's called faith um, sometimes I talk to people who are, you know, the very hard, hard secular atheist types, and they want sort of uh, a mathematical proof of God that you'd, you know, that you'd get in uh, physics or something like that. Um, and that's not what, that's not what faith is. I mean, if someone wants to logically understand like why I believe that God exists, I've, I'm happy to explain that. Right. And I've, th- I've thought about this. It's not just a blind faith thing. Oh, you know, I learned this when I was a kid and I, I never, it's like, no, like there's a, and I don't think it's wise for whether someone's a Christian, a Muslim, any, anyone who's got a faith in God, I don't think it's wise to, for it to be totally blind to not have, I I'd find it strange for someone to be 30 plus years old and you have never had that debate with yourself and many other people of like, okay, what about this? What about that? What about that aspect? What about that aspect? And I think some people have an idea that there's people who believe in God simply because it's, you know, simply because they are irrational or they're stupid or their parents told them to or whatever. And it's like, no, there are extremely logical reasons for people to believe in God. There's logical reasons for people not to. I think ultimately what it comes down to is an interesting conversation. But when I think I think when it comes down to whether people are theistic or atheistic, oftentimes it comes down to at its crux. Do you think that the world and everything in it? makes more sense with a God or without a God with, I think, yeah, I think that that's ultimately what it boils down for some people. They reach the conclusion they're looking at the, they're the suffering and disasters and this and this and this, and they're like, this doesn't make sense. And then other people will see everything. And you're like, how could there not be, how could there not be a creator or yeah. all powerful force behind this? It's like saying that if a, print shop exploded from that explosion and all the ingredients and papers and you know binders and tools that were in that print shop that literally exploded mm-hmm. it produced a, uh, a dictionary yes like with page numbers and everything like and life no no i, I ain't believe things. in that yeah so it may be true but you know who knows I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, that's the one thing i do know nobody mm-hmm. knows like people say what religion yeah. am i i always say like a krishuslam <laughs> yeah, because Chris dude, yeah, because dude, there's there's you know there there's some there's some truth to I think all of them, mm. and I think those shreds of truth in all of them are are the years of of interpretation that that men basically not you know humans I should say mm-hmm. um, changed to to fit their narratives. And I think we've always done that. Mm. So like, you, you know, the number one Bible used by Christians are the King James version. That's right. So why does he get his own version? What, what does that mean? Version? It's just one, one translation. That means it's his version yeah. of the Bible. So there's the different translations. So there's. I know, but that, yeah. that's a version. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why that version? Why did he get his own version? Well, he was the king. Power. Right. He was the king. So how do you trust that version? Mm -hmm. How do you know that's the version? Then you start looking at these other ones and you realize, well, that's not even what that one says. And then this chapter was omitted. And then you start realizing, well, folks, 
everybody's claiming they have a relationship with God. And then I always ask one question mm. and I say, well, what's his name? Mm -hmm. And most people don't know it. Mm. And how do you have a relationship with somebody? You don't even know their name. Yeah. Like, like what if someone said, you know, they were talking about me and you, and they said, Oh yeah, I know Brent. Me and Brent go way back. <laughs> You'd be like, when you say people don't know his name, you mean, uh, you mean as in God, not being, uh, what's God's name. Well, many would say Yahweh. That's his name. Elohim. Now, some people, uh, again, his name was either Yahweh or Yahuwah. It mm -hmm. depends on how you pronounce it, sure. but he had one name. People say he had many names. No, people called him many things. Mm -hmm. He had one name, and he told it to us. That was his name. Mm -hmm. And then his son, what's his name? Jesus. No. What was his yes, name? Sure. That was his name. Yeah. So again, everyone's calling him Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's not his name. Mm -hmm. Now, someone. Well, that's what. Well, that's what. Well, you know. That's the. <laughs> that's the translation. It is not the translation. That is not the translation of his name. No, it is not. Go look. Go study. It is not the translation of his name. They made it up. Why did they make it up? Because they were trying to get a group of people to understand, and they didn't have those sounds, and they didn't, and it wouldn't make sense if they used his name. So they changed his name. So it would make sense to the people, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I always think to myself, who did that? Like, who thought they had the freaking authority to change his name? And they changed it. I don't care what anyone says, <laughs> unless somebody can prove me wrong. And again, yeah. I'm open. Sure. But based on what I've seen, I, I want I want a biblical scholar who's like listening to this podcast to to reach out, reach out. I've had people come here, and guess what? They okay. leave going, dude. I didn't really, you know, I, I looked, and you're right, yeah. Because I've looked, okay. And it, and by the way, that's funny. The scripture says, "Seek and ye shall find." Mm -hmm. Most people aren't seeking; they're just they're just believing whatever they're told, and that's why you get a bunch of people saying, you know, they're religious mm -hmm. and. uh they got a relationship with God. And then I say, well, what's his name? And they don't know it. And a lot of people don't even know. Like they say Jesus. Okay. I see what you mean. And like when I say, what's God's name? They say Jesus. Number one, that wasn't even Jesus's name, mm -hmm. but that's not God anyway. People are, yes, that's God. Folks in the Bible, Jesus himself says he's not God. Doesn't he? Where's that? All right, well, I'll show you as soon as we're off here. We, okay. can, go, we can go do a quick Bible study. Because <laughs> the thing is, even, even, within, even within Christianity, people have different ideas around the, the Trinitarian. Sure, they all, yeah. they're, they're all saying that they're all one, and yeah. they're all one. I understand, but they're yeah. also individuals, mm -hmm. and they're also separate. It's a strange concept. It is, a, it is not, a, an, it's not an obvious concept. Like I, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I have, I have Muslim friends, and I know one thing that they find very strange and confusing about Christianity is the concept of the Trinity of having God, son, father, son, Holy spirit being three different entities, but also all being one and the same. It's not an, yeah, but they can't uh, be one and the same. And, and, and if mm -hmm. they can, then someone needs to explain this to me. Okay. When Jesus was on the cross mm -hmm. and I like to call him Yahshua because that, Yeshua, you know, sure. his name was Yeshua. Yeah. Okay, and and I went to look at an Aramaic movie called Passions of the Christ. They spoke supposedly. I watched authentic. it again a few days ago. Yeah. Okay, and 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 if you listen to in him or you listen to them call his name in that movie, he, they were saying Yeshua. Mm -hmm. So when Yeshua was on the cross, he looked up supposedly and asked something. What do you think he asked? Um. He, was that when not forgive them for they know not what they mm. do 
he asked, why hast thou forsaken me? Why is who? Um, my father. Yeah. Why hast thou forsaken why, me? Why have you forsaken yeah. me? Let's say it in like today's language. Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabakthani. Yeah, but something. back back then, he, they like might have said that. What did yeah. he mean by that? Um, my understanding of it is, Father, why am I, why do I have to be the bearer of this? Why have you given me up okay. to the so, world in so, such a way? Okay, so yeah. let's pretend that happened. Okay. Do you believe that happened? I do believe that happened. Okay, who is he talking to? Himself? God. Was he talking to himself? He's talking to God, his father. So someone different than him? Um, yes, but. Oh, Bob, Bob. No, yeah. there's no but. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> someone different than him. Why? Because mm-hmm. if you already are you, you don't need to ask yourself, why is this happening? You already mm-hmm. know why it's happening. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. We're one. Your brain is my brain. Your knowledge is my knowledge. We're all one. I know what you know. You know what I know. We don't ask each other questions. We do ask ourselves questions. You don't ask each other questions and you don't look up and say, why have you done this? Hmm. You don't. Now, again, if someone can tell me why that makes sense, then I'd be happy to open my yeah. mind. But to me, it makes more sense that they're separate. It doesn't make them any less of, of, of things. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't make them less God. And, and that's Yahweh mm-hmm. or Yahuwah mm-hmm. and Yeshua which, by the way, makes perfect sense when those are their names. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense if their name if their names are God and Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the scripture, it'll say my name's in His, and those names are almost the same. But anyway, that makes sense that they're separate. I understand that. And by the way, perspective, you know, they say, you know, when Jesus was born, you know, it took him thirty three years to become, you know, written about. So where where was he at five? Was he was he a little god at five? Why wasn't he healing people from day one? As a child? Well, if he was God at, at 33, he was God at five. Mm-hmm. He was God his whole life. Why? He became God? What happened? No, he was chosen, wasn't he? I thought he was. That's what the scripture says. Well, says the, he idea was chosen. That, the idea is that he was, he was born as the son of God through the immaculate conception. Okay. So then from day one, he was the son of God. Yes. So how come he didn't hear nothing for 33 years? Well, I mean, he had a, he had a life, but what you, kind you of mean life? the doctor, Normal you, life? you mean, was he you mean why, why was the, was he healing? Why people? was his child as a child? Yeah. As far as I'm aware. No, I don't believe, I don't believe that's documented. I don't believe that's documented. Does that make any sense? He had to, he had to turn into somebody powerful. Sense he was me, born actually. somebody powerful. Although have you heard about I, the blood that they found? Which one? No, tell me about this. Well, they found blood. Okay. Uh, you know, wherever supposedly the the crosses were, mm-hmm. you know, in the cracks of the ground, they okay. found blood. And so they tested the blood and the blood, crazy enough, and this, you can Google this, is still alive. Now, most dried blood is dead. This, okay. This dried blood still was this alive. This is a recent discovery? Uh, you know, fairly. Okay. Um. But it's still alive. And then they uh, checked its chromosomes and it had 24 chromosomes. We, Instead of 23. Well, we have 46. 23 oh, okay. from our mom, 23 from our okay. dad. It had 24, 23 okay. from his mom and one from his dad. 
So he had one. Okay, I need, I, man, I, you need to send me, you need to send me a link to this because I'm, yeah. this is, I have not a, I haven't uh, heard. It kind of gives me the chills, one. like, dang, because I'm not looking to disprove anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking to prove some things. Yeah. Now, I also rely on faith. So if, if someone came up with a gun and said, pick your faith, son, <laughs> pick your faith, I'm going with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, a, that's the best one I've heard so far. You know, but at the end of the day, how do I know? How do I know? Yeah. How does anybody know? Look, I don't think anybody knows. And I if anyone so. claims they do, dude, they're just they're just claiming faith because yes. nobody knows. Yes. I often tell my I, I often, you know, when I have conversations with with people about theological stuff, I often caveat that I call myself a humble believer. Right? Because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the belief system, it doesn't matter the religion, it can even go beyond religion you see this with people's political ideologies and so on right where there is there is zero humility people are afraid of humility people are afraid of accepting and voicing the idea that they are not 100% absolutely certain that they are correct and therefore everyone else with a different perspective or interpretation is wrong that's not me you can say, look, this is my faith. This is what I believe. This is what I believe to be true. This is how I interpret this thing. This is how I interpret that thing. I'm also like, I could be wrong. That's I how could, I am. I, right? that, that, that's how I am. I'm like, I, I could be wrong. I can, I can explain my positions. If I get challenged on certain things and I haven't gone and researched it, I'm like, okay, I don't know about that one. Let me, let me look into that and come back. You know, when I read through the Bible, I'm like, man, I, I have questions, right? I read, there's certain paragraphs in there. I'm like, that's odd. Like what's what's that about at least in my modern context this seems very strange and weird and i don't really understand it and people interpret these things differently but i think i think all these conversations and dialogues would just be so much better if there was a grain of humility that people had whatever perspective they're coming from they're like look this is what i think this is what i believe this is how i understand but i don't know 100 percent. i feel the same way with people who talk about the big bang and evolution and this and this and that. I mean, haven't they just said that the universe is now 13 billion years older than they thought it was up until 2023. Right. And I'm like, okay, but you're someone else will have that. And I'm like, okay, so you're criticizing me for having faith and they've just told you, they've just updated. They've just added 13 billion years to the thing that you've been telling me is like hard, hard, hard fact. And you're still going off this idea that you're just you know, choosing they, what to believe. It's true. You know, it, it, I, I find, I find that that funny when someone's, you know, time I'm like, okay, well you, you tell me how everything came to be without the birds. You know, there was this primordial ooze floating around there and there was a giant explosion. And, then this, and, 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 and this is when it happened. And I'm like, wait, we don't know what's at the bottom of the ocean, but you absolutely know what happened. 13 billion years ago yeah. and the chain that now led to everything they, we have they, now. Don't, like, have, they don't have the chain <laughs> i'm like i don't see how that's not yeah that's like they don't have the chain if, if, if they can show me the chain show me the chain yeah. of an elephant and a tiger <laughs> and a giraffe and a rhinoceros and a butterfly yeah. i want to see the what what what, what was it, all those originally mm-hmm and when did one morph into the next? Mm-hmm. And when? And because where, when they believe in evolution, I always say, "Show me evolution." They'll talk about how a moth that was black and it landed on the white sycamore trees, yes. and then they'd get picked off, so they evolved into white moths. Micro. That's called adapting. Mm-hmm. They adapted to their environment. That's not evolving. Evolve. Mm-hmm. 
to me, evolving is changing. So if you if you were a moth and you fucking evolved into a bird, yes. okay, that's evolution. Yes. Like, holy shit, what just happened there? I haven't seen any factual evolution. It's always adaptation. Yeah. It's, you know, this bird turned into another kind of bird. It's still a bird. It's still okay. Bird. It's still a bird. Okay. Show me a human that turned into a dog. Show me a dog that turned into a human. Show me a freaking ape that turned into an, a, a human. And, and mm. if that's the truth, then where are the, the, the ones right in the middle now? Yeah. Because dude, we didn't all just evolve at the yeah. same time. Did say we? They're, they're, they're extinct. That's what, that's what, that's what people would say. Uh, look, I, I, I just think we, I think we as you, man, I think there's so much stuff, I mean, especially if you, especially if you go into the, the origins of the universe and our species and everything, it's bizarre to me. And also from that lens, I'm also like, well, where did the life come from? Listen, if we all started living underneath the ground where there was no light, yeah. we would all start being born blind. Yes. And pretty and soon we would pale. adapt. We would adapt mm -hmm. to the darkness. Mm -hmm. That's adaptation. That's mm -hmm. not evolution. Mm -hmm. And then a hundred years from now, when we don't have eyes that function, you know, or maybe a thousand years or however long it took for eventually nature to say, well, we don't need eyes anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, that's adaptation, but we're still humans. Join. So, so to me, it's like, how are all the different species here? Mm. How is an elephant an elephant? Was an elephant the same thing as a, as a tiger? But at some point in time, a tiger went this way and, a, and an elephant went that I way. I think that's the idea that there was some that there was some common ancestor. There's all all common ancestors. Where did they, they come from? I'm not. I'm look. This it is doesn't make this, sense. This I don't is, believe it. This is. I, I love that you just said that because no one no one will say that. I will. Right? No, <laughs> one of the greatest fears people have is to come out and say, look, evolution doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, what? Because if you're a smart person, I'm an Oxford University graduate. I'm supposed to be like, you know, Mr. Evolution, Mr. Mr. Well, this, you, Mr. That. Then you and I'm should like, know that the polyunsaturated hydrocarbons that flow through the medulla oblongata increase the blood flow to the erector pili. <laughs> I just made that up. Yeah. Um, but but this is the thing. I think pe people are not willing to be like. So sometimes certain ideas and hypotheses they get fully, fully, fully ingrained, again because people take them on faith, right? You might be like, oh, you know, it came from you know, well, 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 the scientists, you know, the scientists, the but experts, it, the this, and I'm like, well, I'm like, they don't know either, bro. Like they, that's right. Dude, look at the last couple of years; they've been lying to us about. Right? They, they've been getting everything wrong. Like see, when you just said they don't they, know either, and so and so that's the truth. They don't know. Because because even pastors, you know, and and believe me, like I've met a lot of really good pastors, mm. they don't know either. Like, how do I know they don't know? Because they weren't there. Mm -hmm. They're only fifty, fifty five years old. Where were they back then? They weren't okay. So they weren't there. So they're going on what they what faith learned or Belief. were told, yeah. and they go back. Mm -hmm. Would your what, whoever told you that? Let's go see who told them that, mm -hmm. and then you'll go back and you'll go back and you'll go back and you'll realize we've been handed this story yes. for thousands of years. It could be total bullshit, or it could be warped, or it could be wrong because of someone else's you know narrative mm -hmm. so that's why i think there's truth in all these different religions mm -hmm. i mean you can read the torah and there's some truth in the torah oh, yeah. there's some truth in and the they all thing. have massive overlap at least exactly. the, the abrahamic ones there i think they do overlap, the, yeah. the 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 quran mm -hmm. and the and the bible have overlap mm -hmm. and and muslims do not disagree that jesus existed they just don't believe they also they, think he's the messiah they just don't believe he's God's son. They don't believe he's the son of God, but they believe he's the Messiah who will come back and defeat the Antichrist. Yeah, so so to me, it's like, look at all these shreds and all these different ones. 
Someone double, double check me on that, but I'm pretty sure what I just well, said was well, correct. Well, that tells me that there's a, a creator. Why? Mm. Because all of these different religions have shreds of truth in it. And where'd that truth come from? Mm. So I'm thinking there is a creator, obviously. And then through time and because we're human, you know, subject to errors, mm. we twist everything and twist the truth. And then you it, it shreds into a lot of different stories when that's why you know a lot of them make sense like to me dude when i listen to the muslim uh faith i i don't think that i mean people hear muslims they think you know the bombs blowing up that's just ignorance mm-hmm. you know the islamic faith they're not for that either no. so if, if you read the quran dude some of it makes a lot of sense and then if you read the bible some of it makes a lot of sense and if you read the torah some of it makes a lot of sense you go and read shit that like any religion has and you go hmm mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. But at the end of the day, does anybody actually know? Do we know? Absolutely. The answer is no. Yeah. Anyone that really knows was dead thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. All we can go on is what they wrote and left behind. Mm -hmm. And then if you start looking at that evidence, like you go back to the very beginning, like the Septuagint Bibles, or I think I forget they're called Septuagint or something. Mm -hmm. There's versions of the Bible. You go back, you go back, you go back. Pretty soon it's in another language. Mm-hmm. Now you got to get a translator. Then Aramaic you go back and you go back yeah. and it's even in another language, Aramaic. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and pretty soon it's like, how do you know what they meant? Mm-hmm. Well, whoever translated it, it's their interpretation. Just like you said, you have your own interpretation. Exactly. Yes, so let's say you were the translator of this yes. Aramaic <laughs> script. And I'd say, what does it say? What does it say? And I would get your version of yes. what it said. And then I'd go tell my son. And then my son would tell his son. And then 2,000 years later, here we are fighting over who's right and who's wrong. Mm-hmm. When in reality, none of us know. Yeah. I think, I think know. When, it, when it gets to the fighting part, this is when people are, are being goofy. And it's also when people have deviated from their own faith. Right. Whether you are a Jewish, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, like none of these faiths are telling you to go out there and, you know, physically harm or let alone kill other people. So like if, if you're if you're if you're if you've gone if you if people have gotten so lost in the theological sauce that they're um, mistreating and being nasty towards people and going out and hurting and maiming and being terrorists or whatever it is, I'm like, man, you've missed the ultimate point. Right? Like beyond all the details and things that we're getting into, it's like, man, you, you, you've missed the, you've missed the whole, you missed the whole point. If you call yourself a Christian and you don't even attempt to be like Jesus and treat people like Jesus did in any way, and you don't go by the golden rule and you know, you don't love your neighbor as yourself and you're just going out there and being genuinely hateful towards people and all that, then I'm like, man, you could, you could know the Bible inside out, but ultimately like you missed the most you miss the most important life lesson from it. And yeah. you know, that's why I think I'm going to do, do okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm angelic. <laughs> that's generally what I've gathered from, uh, from this podcast, Brad, I want to be, um, I want to be conscious of your time. You've been so generous with it. A question I have for you is look, there's a lot of young men who are out there struggling right now. Yeah. As you know, I'm sure you have, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of them who are following you. I've got a lot of young men following me. What is you, you've given some advice on this show and you've got a lot of stuff on your, on your channels, but for, for a guy who's listening to this, who is just not sure what to do next, what's your advice to them? And they're struggling. Yeah. They're just, well, again, I mean, you know, uh, 
I want to change people's perspective. Okay. So I would tell that person to, you know, try and change your perspective a little bit because if you knew for a fact that struggle made you stronger and the stronger made you win, right? Wouldn't you seek struggle? So the fact that you're getting the struggle that you would technically be seeking and now you're whining and crying and, and, and cowering because of it, it makes no sense. And it's, and it's because you're looking at it incorrectly. Some people look at struggle as, you know, oh, poor me. How come I can't win? How come I can't be that guy or that girl? And it's because you haven't had any struggle or you haven't learned. And, and sometimes the struggle is what brings you there. So you literally have to embrace the struggle. And when you're going through it, and it's hard to do. Again, it's easier now that I'm older and look back. So I'm telling the young person because no one told me this. I might not have listened, but if I wish someone would have told me this, when you're going through those tough times, man, look at them as opportunities to learn and grow and develop and strengthen. Cause I used to be, you know, pissed off when everything was going wrong. Now when shit goes wrong, it's like, I look at it as an opportunity mm-hmm. and I, and I almost see it as a game, you know, and, and I, you know, it might sound crazy, but like, I wish more things would go wrong because <laughs> my life's pretty freaking easy. Like, dude, I'm, I, I have it on one of my profiles the, in my bio section. I just put lucky as hell and willing to roll the dice. Like, dude, people ask me all the time, you know, what was it like hitting rock bottom? And I'm like, what do you mean? I've, n- I've never really hit rock bottom. Mm. They said, dude, you were homeless on the beach. Didn't you say that? I said, well, yeah, they thought they caught me lying. Well, no, I was homeless on the beach for a couple of weeks, but dude, that was a by choice, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, that's what I'm talking about. Looking back, dude, there was nothing wrong with that. If you think that's rock bottom, dude, where did you grow up? That's not rock bottom to me. Mm-hmm. To me, it might be rock bottom to you, especially going to Oxford and getting raised right. <laughs> you know, you might be like, oh my God, I don't know what I would have yeah. done if I found myself homeless. Well, I'd be all right. We'd all be all right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what I'd tell the young man you're talking to. You're going to be all right. It's all going to work out, bro. But you have to like change your mindset about it because the mindset is what's going to dictate your attitude and your actions and your behavior. And that's what's, what's going to matter. It doesn't matter that you're going through struggle. What matters is how you handle it. So again, if I'm young, I'm listening to this and I'm, you know, not rich yet and I'm not successful yet. And I, and you know, I want Brad to give me some secrets. I would, uh, again, I would tell somebody, listen, Focus on your mindset, your skill set, and your habits. And until you're all good in all three of those, quit asking for more. You don't need any more. You know, what else? Don't worry about what else. Okay? <laughs> go go focus and fine-tune each one of those mm-hmm. to where you are skilled. You're extremely skilled. You're known as very good at something. Someone would say, oh, he's very good at this. If if you ask anybody in in the country, they will tell you I'm good at sales. Yes. Why? Well, I've, I've I've done the practice. I've done it a million years, so I'm good at sales. And by the way, if you guys don't know what to do, I think sales is a great one. Like you said, there's some negative. Yes, there is. But again, no, sales is awesome. But quit worrying about the negative. Quit worrying about other people's opinions. That's another thing I tell you. But um, sales gives you a a skill set that can be utilized in a lot of different arenas it's not just selling cars or just selling furniture it's Mm -hmm. selling people on your vision it's selling women on marrying you it's 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 a skill set i think anyone successful possesses um or they hired someone that had that skill set but but to me you know your mindset your skill set and your habits are going to dictate your future 
So Absolutely. I would I would do that and and adopt my million dollar morning. My million dollar morning is I wake up and I know that it's worth more than a million dollars. So my attitude goes away and I literally think, you know, everything's an opportunity now. I go work out a little bit. Everyone should be doing that. I freaking focus on five things that are going to drive revenue. I focus on five people that I want to reach out and just, you know, send them a text, tell them I miss them, thinking about them. How can I help you? Just build a relationship with. And then I will read 10 to 20 pages or listen to a book, no matter what, every single morning. If you do that, I'll bet you within 90 to 120 days, your life will be a little bit different because your perception will be a little bit different. See, if you want to change your life, change your perception. Mm-hmm. Your, if your perception changes, bro, your life changes. So anyway, that's what I'd tell them. Because there's no secret answer. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, start start figuring out AI. Just build your competence. You know, it's, it's dude, listen, yeah. relationships are everything. Mm-hmm. Go start building relationships, networking, you know, start with ethics and integrity. It took me a while to believe in those. Mm-hmm. Like, again there's some legitimate stuff to when old people are talking, like listen to them. Yes. You know, I didn't listen to anybody. And now that I'm, <laughs> I, now that I'm, 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 I'm approaching old. Some people would say you're already there, buddy, but I'm approaching old. I look back and I think, dude, I should have listened the whole time. Mm-hmm. I probably would have avoided a lot of painful mistakes. That's why I actually wrote my book. A lot of people get my book and they read it and they're like, dude, I can tell you wrote it. Now, most people would be almost, Take that as an insult. You know, what does that mean? You know, but I can tell you wrote it because I can hear you talking in that book. And, and it's called The Hard Way. Lessons I Learned the Hard Way so you don't have to. So I'd tell that young man uh, that's struggling right now, go get the book. And it wouldn't be because I make a bunch of money. Do you have a book? Uh, yeah, I've got two books. So you know they Throw don't make a way. bunch of money <laughs> unless yours did. Uh, Mine doesn't. Yeah, but, it did all right. It did yeah, well. But, but, but I'd, I'd go get that book because yeah. the lessons in that book and the stories in that book, you're going to learn one way or the other. The question is, is how much is going to cost you and how long is it going to take you to learn it? Yeah, absolutely. Learn from other people, guys. Learn from other people. Brad, it's been awesome talking to you, man. Um, Pleasure. I, I love watching your, watching your videos. I'm going to go grab a copy of the book after this. Um, where can people find and follow you on social media? Just, you know, bradlee.com or at the real bradlee on any social media platform yep and that's that's lee l-e-a for everybody listening it is awesome brad really appreciate you coming on the show thanks for having me i'm flattered to even be asked awesome man and we'll talk again soon special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.